0: and we're on welcome back to another episode from nobody cares about dad this week as ever joined by my co-host ad how you doing mate
1: i'm good mate how are you
0: very well thank you very well
1: Where have you moved uh, to this
0: this week this week uh, i'm in canada yeah definitely in canada definitely not in my kitchen <laughs> at home definitely in canada <laughs>
1: <laughs> got a road uh, I, that, so
0: I like it yeah yeah it's, it's a bit cold so i've uh, put the jumper on uh, this week uh we are excited
2: to be joined all the way from uh, new york city right terry right outside new york city okay. close enough. enough we can go to new york if you're in canada i'm in new york city we're good yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how, how are you Terry? you okay i'm doing great i'm doing great we got a little bit of a heat wave here but aside from that i'm, I'm doing good
0: yeah, do you know I was I was I was on I was on FaceTime earlier to my friend who lives in Long Island,
2: and he was saying it was he it, it was he, he said it's very muggy though. Yeah, super muggy. It's Long Island's actually where I am. That's funny. Do you know Do you know where in Long Island he was by chance? Yeah, he's in um, Patchogue. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Patchogue.
0: That's how I say it. Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah, one of those Native American. But yeah, uh, I'm it, actually funny. I'm about 15 minutes from there. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I love it
0: there. So I've been over a few times. We've been out. We've been out there quite a few times and um, oh, there's another little, there's another little university town not far from there where we, we go out a few, t- we've been out a few times as well. Tony Brook, by uh, chance. He li- he lives near, I think he lives near Stony Brook. Yeah. Um, yeah. Lo- lovely place though. Absolutely lovely. He he lives yeah. on, he lives he lives on, on the beach. he they've got, got a lovely little beach house. Um, forever moaning about it though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, I remember we were, so he he's from the UK and he he married an American American oh, lady.
1: One
0: second. Oh, dim the lights, put the music on, are <laughs> oh, He's talking about. <laughs> so he's from a he's from a little village where we're all from the same area and a little, little really really grubby little village called Sleaford, and we, I remember being I remember <laughs> I remember being stood in his kitchen. This is like three years ago we were stood in his kitchen, like beautiful. His house is worth like $2 million. It's stunning. And uh we were looking out, having a coffee, looking out over, to, over the ocean. And I remember just looking at him thinking, well, have put a bit of an upgrade from Sleaford, mate.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he still no, moans about
0: it. it. He still moans about Nobody. it. Like, yeah. He calls his prison. It's his prison. I'm like, fuck, yeah, I don't mind being in your prison, mate. Yeah, right. If you
2: want to complain, there's always something to find to complain about if we want to, right? There's always something. So, uh, Terry, diving sh- straight in, mate. Look, one of the first things we always
0: do on the podcast is just go back to the very beginning. So we uh, – nobody cares about dad, so it's – obviously, we we start with dad. So what was – what was from your point of view, what was your relationship like with your dad growing up? Was he around? Was he not around? What, what was that dynamic like for you?
2: Yeah, I, I mean, I, I guess I'd put it as uh, – I always thought of it as a pretty traditional relationship with my dad. So I grew up in the 80s. Um that's when I was born and he was there. He w- he was always around. My parents didn't get divorced. He was he was a great dad. He he loved us. He he cared a lot about teaching us good things. He worked a lot though. So most of the day wasn't spent with him. You know, it was a couple hours here or there at night maybe some weekends he'd spend some time, but he was usually working six days a week, you know, mo- most of the day. And that felt just normal to me. Like, that's kind of what dads do. Yeah. You spend most of your time with mom. So to the to the title of the show, it was just like, yeah, nobody really cares. He's out at work right now, and I'm just kind yeah. of with mom. But um, the, the biggest thing I'd say about my dad was that it was clear that he cared a lot. Like, it was clear that he wanted to do a good job. And I think, like all of us, we don't always know what that is or how to go about doing that best job. But it was always obvious that he cared. It was always obvious that he was thoughtful about it. Um, and i had a brother and a sister um so he was just he, he made us feel safe that was probably the biggest thing i think when i think of my dad his priority was always safety like i want you guys to yeah. be safe i want everything to be under control and everybody to be good um so i always had that general sense with him
0: yeah good. Uh, and do you know so we we're, we're both 80s 80s babies um and i think we we speak to a lot of people actually really similar age to us isn't aren't they 80 when the people yeah. coming on the podcast and everyone's the the relationship either dad was either there either dad wasn't there or they were very similar to how you've described it whereas they were there they cared but they really worked and it was always it was almost like a bit of a stoic relationship a stoic um attitude Uh, it was almost like you know dad's in dad works dad comes home dad's tired and that's the relationship that a lot of people had, but i think that's very typical of the time that that was that maybe the eighties and that's how it was. It's almost that
1: stereotype isn't it? It's the stereotype of the eighties, the nineties. It's dad works, mum's at home. And that's I think that's where a lot of people get hung up on this whole yeah. You know, no, women should stay at home and look after the kids by the men go out to work. Obviously we've changed massively.
2: Yeah.
1: Back then that was the norm. Like you 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 were
2: lucky to see your dad smile because he was either <laughs> asleep or at work. It's so true. It's so true. Like I remember the two cliches, maybe not cliches, but one, it was the typical, you know, if, if we got in trouble with mom, it was wait till dad gets home. And you know, once he gets home, <laughs> then you're in trouble. Um, the other thing that I remember so vividly, and it, it's embarrassing to say almost maybe in today's world, but it stuck with me for so long. My mom she drove, she drove us all the time. But if my dad was in the car, he drove. My mom never was allowed to drive if my dad was in the car. And I remember up until, I don't know, five years ago, genuinely feeling like, yeah, yeah, that's right. That's what you're supposed to do. <laughs> like If you're the dad, you drive. You drive. Always <laughs> and so to your point about the stereotypes, like when I look back on it, there's so many things that I didn't think about it at the time. Like I wasn't conscious of it, but there was so many things that formed in my head of what it means to be a dad. Some of them important stuff, some of it superficial stuff, but like so much of that formed in that time. And it was a different time than today. So it's interesting to look back on it. Yeah. it actually. A, 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 so normally we, we talk about that when
0: we say this is how it is then, this is how it was then, this is how it is now. But obviously, your uh, the, your profession and what you went to, you, you educated on, you might be able to answer this question. Um, why did? Why do you think we've seen a change from from that sort of mentality to we are so very, today's world? It's very much dad has to be not just there but take, uh, uh, taking part,
2: being involved, and and it's very much changing. What, why do you think that is? Yeah, it's an interesting question. I mean, obviously, it's it's hard to say for sure the answer. I, I'd, I'd like to think the one of the likely answers is I think I think dads wanted it to be – I don't know, necessarily know that my dad – I'll just use him as an example or any of the ones, the stereotypical ones we're talking about. I don't know that they necessarily chose that or wanted that. It's just kind of the position they got put into – And you just went along with it and you just did it. And I think in today's world, there's just more optionality. There's just more optionality to choose different things. And I think more dads, more men are picking that to say, no, 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 actually, I want to be at the game or I want to stay home or I want to play a different role in the family. So I don't think people have changed so much in terms of what they want to do. I just think there's more of an openness and a freedom to to pick different paths. Whereas in the past, you know, back then it was just, no, 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 this is the path. If you veer from that. Like is going to look at you and say, what the hell are you doing? Like, yeah. that's not what
0: it does. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the, the whole stay at home dad. The whole, so my, my, my friend who lives in long Island is a stay at home dad. Yeah. And you know, he, 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 you know, he still gets it a little bit. I'm not going to lie. He, he definitely, oh. does. but I think, you know, from where we were 10 years ago, he's it's, it's, it's nowhere near as bad as he would have got it. 10 years ago doing it now. Uh, so times are.
2: Times are changing, for sure. It's and funny because I, I think I run into it sometimes, too, because and we'll get into it maybe. But So my wife has some health issues. So I end up, um, I work, but but I do a lot of the kind of around the house stuff as well. And I'm involved in the school and all that. And I'll hear it from my friends and my family all the time. Like, they'll they'll poke with little jokes of like, I remember when, you know, back in the day, dad didn't even know who the teacher was. Dad didn't even know where the school was. And it's funny, sometimes I do. Like, I feel a little bit of shame around that. Like, I'm not being a real dad because I'm too involved in too many things. And I still have that mindset of, like, if I was a stay-at-home dad, I would feel like that's wrong in some way. Not logically, just because that's what it was and that's what I knew.
0: Yeah. Uh, Sorry, was you going to ask something, AD?
1: No, I was just going to say, I think but that whole whole aspect of it is, probably going back to your point, um, the fact that we've changed so much and now there's more options to be involved and there's more options to... like. If, so when I was with my ex-partner, if I was to say, I'll do the school run, I, to be fair, I wouldn't even finish the sentence before the keys were in my hand. It's like, yeah, yeah, cool, you do that. And you think, oh, okay, <laughs> hang on. Um, right, let me rethink this. It's, it's more because we're... I mean, I'm not talking for everyone, but especially for myself, um, you, you try and be more involved. You try and be... You you want to understand everything that's going on, and we speak about it a lot. That it just adds more pressure because you you then stood there going right school run. I've got that to do. What did this teacher ask for? What do I need to pack? Oh my job. What do I need to do for work? Socially, who am I seeing? Where's my mates? What am I doing? And it's all this stuff, and it's just because you want to be more involved. And you know, there's that pressure. If you're not, I think if I was to see a dad now that was very much stuck in the eighties, like non-existent to their kids. I, I think I would say something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'd be like, what are you do? Like you're missing out. What are you doing?
2: It's so true. It's so a true. A lot of use
1: it as an escape, don't they? So.
2: Well, it's yeah. so true. And like not to get too philosophical with it, but that's one of the things I thought about a lot with my dad and me as a dad is just, I think a big piece of it is just being thoughtful, just, just being deliberate versus letting it happen to you and saying, well, this just feels like what I should do or what I shouldn't do recognizing yeah. you have that choice is a big part of it. It's not an easy choice to your point, right? It's not like there's an easy answer to it, but at least be thoughtful and pick the one that you think is best, you know?
0: Uh, so Terry, I, I was reading that uh, you went to Harvard. Is that right? Yeah. For, for business school, yeah. For business school, yeah.
1: See, with, he's with, us, he's a on <laughs> he's boys from the UK from Sleaford and Grantham.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so how, how was that? Like, what was that experience like? Hi, uh, it was awesome. Honestly, it was um, it was one of those things, I guess, to the point. Um, part of the reason I wanted to go there was for my parents and for my dad. Like I knew in a lot of ways he worked so hard, cliche thing, to, to give us a better life. And in my simple minded terms, you know, at a young age, it was like, well, what's the thing I could do to show him that he succeeded? And like he gave us a better life. And he was very traditional in his thinking, too. So it was like you go to the best schools, you get the best job. That's what you do. Um, so there was a big part of me that wanted to do it for that reason. Um, but I'll be honest, like getting in was one of those, you know most fortunate things I ever had in my life. but but the experience itself, was amazing cuz for for business school there it's interesting so so they use like the the socratic method so it's all case study all the classes so what you do is you sit in a room with 90 other students and there's a teacher and and you read a case and more or less the teacher just asks questions the whole time um they kind of guide the conversation but the, you know all these 90 people who are from all different countries and backgrounds and all that stuff and you just sit there and you get to hear brilliant people talk about what they think the right answer to this is or how they're assessing this thing and the, the, the biggest thing I took away from it was like, I thought I was pretty open-minded when I went there. But when you're forced to sit in a room every day and listen to 90 people share differing views that you've never <laughs> thought of and be like, oh, wow, it's actually, that makes sense too. I never yeah, thought of yeah. it that way. It opened yeah. my mind in like such a way. And it wasn't willing. Like I don't want to take credit for it. Like I went into it for that reason. It was forced into it. But honestly, more so than the education, the network, the job, that was the biggest takeaway for me from it.
0: Yeah, and that you know that for me, that's the big, that's one of the biggest lessons that a lot of people. I, even like you look at politics, right? So many people are tied to the to them are tied to their color. So they're mm-hmm. red, or, red or blue. It's the same here, red or blue. And it's like no matter what they say, you no know, matter how you disagree with it, it's like no, no, no. That's what that's the way I'm going to go and vote. Whereas I like to think that person, I, I. If I have this opinion and somebody presents to me a op- uh, you know a, a reasonable argument as to why I'm wrong, I'll go, yeah, okay, cool, yes, good, great. Um, but it's so it's so interesting, so interesting to see how people, like I say, people are so tied to one way or another. No matter what, whatever the answer is, there will be red, blue, or whatever the, whatever the options are. But we had a. I don't know if you I don't know if you did this AD. We, we over here before one of the last elections we had this um Facebook poll and it was mm. like a, it was a blind test of all the um I, I can't think of the name what well, not it's not politics what re, what do they call them when they present their in politics AD? what do they when they when they're going for their election and they go right these are our the objects no, uh, no no, no.
1: like
0: like their like, agenda kind of like these their policies i can't remember what there's a name for it though um anyway and it was like a blind so it was like here's a here's the topic Mm. here's five options you pick which one you agree with and like at the end of it i think i came out like 30 conservative 30 liberal like 40 green and i sort of took took away from that i was like well because i would vote blue i'd vote conservative right but then i thought I'm not e any one or, or another, so I'm like, how can I go right? I'm going to vote for you on this set of policies when I don't agree with most of what you're what you're going to say.
1: So it's all about being open minded, if you can, if you can listen to an argument with an open mind and say, okay, this is my opinion, change my opinion, yeah, back it up with facts and whatever. No, don't, don't just say, well, I'm bigger than you, so <laughs> you'll do what I say. It's about being that open minded and going, okay, let who's
0: me hear it. Who's the fellow that does the change my mind um, segment on um, YouTube? Uh,
2: Steve, Steven Crowder. Crowder, yeah. Because he
0: never changes his mind.
2: <laughs> <laughs> People will sit down
0: and give really, like reasoned arguments as to why he's wrong. Nope. Nope.
2: I'm definitely <laughs> right. It's so true. <laughs> it's funny, I was just I was just reading the book. Um, there's a guy named Adam Grant. I don't know if you guys ever heard of him. He's a, he's a professor at uh, Wharton Business School in uh, University of Pennsylvania here in the States. And um, his big thing, like one of his big things that he's been researching lately is that people think if you want to get people to see different sides and see the other side, like you have to give them that information and present it as you're, you're a conservative, but, but look at and listen to some liberal views. But what, he, what he's saying is like the, bi- the big way to do it is to stop making it so binary. Like the idea that you say there's just two choices, that's the problem. Yeah. You have to get people to appreciate there's 17 choices or there's 100 choices. And once we stop thinking in that very simple terms, that's actually what makes the big difference, which makes sense, right? It's just so hard to do. Like we're so ingrained in that structure of just I'm this side or that side. But it yeah. makes sense.
0: Yeah. Um, so, uh, Terry, you, you uh, again, reading, reading your sort of, profile that you put up online I think you you sort of said that everything was going great life was going swimmingly, and then things changed did you want to sort of talk to us about talk to us about that and what happened
2: yeah for sure
0: so before where where were you in life before that sort of the change happened and
2: yeah so I think it it ties to what we're saying before about you know how I was raised and my parents and my dad and stuff you know safety being the big thing again I didn't realize it at the time but growing up you know, I guess lived a relatively sheltered privileged life in, in many ways. And and by that, I mean, not only just literally, but the way that I thought, because I guess ultimately I thought like things work out, things kind of go the way they're supposed to go. And if you follow the right path, if you go to the best schools, if you get the right jobs, like that's what you do. And then everything's safe and you're good. I guess there was this like illusion of control that if, if I have, if I do it the right way, I can control the outcome. And it wasn't until um, later in life that I started to change that view. Um, Actually, guys, guys, hold on one second. My son is banging on the door right now. Sorry, let me just grab him. I'm so sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Nipple.
1: I thought I I thought it was Dex. Oh really? I could hear a little voice. I was thinking, oh please don't.
0: Leah was being a nightmare tonight. Going down.
1: It's just just heat, I think.
2: Sorry about yeah. that. Guys. Not it was I thing. so sorry I'll, I'll jump back into it uh, apologies on the edit in there but but yeah so like there was this illusion that you could control like if you do things the right way you'd have control over the outcomes and life would go the way you want it to go. Um and I kind of carried that through so much of my life and and it felt good to be honest like everything felt like yeah this is great. But then as always happens, right? Life life starts to hit you. So for me, it was it was a few different things that kind of hit all at once. So I just graduated Harvard Business School. So I was like, yeah, like check, like <laughs> this is all great. Um, got a good job, was making good money, um, bought a house, was married, was about to have a kid. Everything was going great, and then two two big things happened. One, my sister, who's four who was four years older than me, uh, got ill, and and she had um, some kidney disease and had a kidney transplant, but ultimately passed away from that. And then right at the same time, um, we were actually trying to have our second child, my wife and I, and she has multiple sclerosis. So we went through some medical things around that. And at that same time, it became clear we couldn't have another child and her multiple sclerosis got way worse to the point where like severe disability, couldn't really move around, couldn't walk anymore, um, just significantly changed her life and our lives as part of that. And I remember thinking like so explicitly and clearly in that moment, like, oh, wow, like I've been thinking about this all wrong. Like there's nothing I can do to control this. Things don't work out the way they're supposed to. And my whole perspective on life kind of just pivoted um, in that moment. So it, it made me start to realize and just question everything ultimately. Like I have to go back and think about all this over again. Um, and, and it was at the same time that my son was about two or three years old. So I was trying to figure out the dad thing. I was trying to figure out the whole thing around it. Um, and that was kind of the impetus for a lot of the changes I've tried to make ultimately.
0: I'm uh, just to, I suppose, resonate actually what you said about, um, your wife with multiple sclerosis. So I, I lost my mom to multiple sclerosis yeah. three years ago when she was 52, so it was uh i know i know full well the 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 effects and the handling that that disease so um yeah feel feel you feel oh. for you yeah it, it is tough yeah. um And there's, there's all different types of it though, isn't there? So I think, so over here, they say there's four, I think there's, they say there's four types of it. There's what, the the one that's the last one, which was a super aggressive one was the one which my mum had. Mm. Um, I've got a friend whose mum has it as well. Um, but she's, she will live a a long life, but she's in a wheelchair. So it's it's really weird to see the different ranges of, of how that is, but yeah, it's, it's not, it's not, it's not the best.
2: Yeah. And it's uh, to the point, right? Like it's, you know, so, we had gone to high school together. I'd known her for a long time. We started dating in college. And again, you just have this vision of what life is going to be, and she'll be healthy and she'll be you know vibrant and we'll have kids and every you just have that view of it. And to your point, with multiple sclerosis, like one of the one of the things that makes you flip that view so quickly, because everything can it could change everything about the lifestyle and even your ability to think and and all different things. Um, so just that contrast of like this vision or expectation that I had in my head to what it actually became, it, it was just so like jolting in terms of what, what life could really be. So yeah, to- totally agree.
0: Yeah. Uh, but before that, you obviously, you, you mentioned you, at that point you had a two a f- two or three year old, was yeah. that right? Yeah. Yeah. Were you trying for kids at that point?
2: We were. So we originally, we were pretty deliberate about it. And, and I give my wife credit because I was somebody who always wanted kids. Um, so when we got married, I was like, all right, let's start having kids right now. like It's time. <laughs> and uh, she wanted to wait and, and it didn't make sense to me. And she always said, um, I want to have kids at a point where I actually want to have kids. Like I don't want it to be a burden. I don't want it to be something I feel like I have to do. I want to be excited to be a mom and to actually have kids. And that made no sense to me at the time, but now now I get it and I appreciate it. But, but yeah, so we, we had the first one, we planned that. And that was part of that kind of storybook. Like it all went as planned. We wanted the first one. We had the first one. We had a boy. He was great. Um, so yeah, we were, we were kind of excited at that point, a little naive, but yeah, excited and ready to build a family.
0: One of the things we always ask dads on this podcast is, "Do you remember? Do you remember when she told you that you were actually pre- she, she was pregnant?"
2: I do. How did, that, how did that? How did you feel? I do. So I'm going to give a. It's not going to be as exciting as the others, I bet, only because because of her medical conditions, we had to go through like some like in vitro fertilization and that sure. stuff. So I remember the day we found out though. So she, you know, we went through the whole process and then there was a day where they're actually gonna call you and say like, either you're pregnant or you're not. So there was a two week period in between when, you know they did the procedure to, to put it in and then you find out what it is. Um, so I remember that day and it was it was a nerve wracking day. Like it, it really <laughs> was. Um, Cause as I said, I wanted kids so bad and and with her health issues, I was worried, you know is it actually gonna work? Are we ever gonna be able to have kids? Um, so yeah, we got we got a phone call. We were both there, and they said, you know, you're pregnant, and it was uh, yeah, it was it was exciting for sure. It was, it was a relief as much as it was exciting. But you know. sure,
0: yeah, I, my, my wife really didn't want kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she really did. I, I had to, I had to really, really strong heart, strong armor into that one. She, um, we've been together, uh, was it, fourteen years now, mm-hmm. and like after ten, so I'm I'm thirty six. So, like, 30 years old, I was like, I sort of want to have kids now. You know, it's time. I'm ready. Like, I wasn't ready. I, hadn't, didn't, I didn't own a house. I had a rubbish job. Like, I, I wasn't ready. But in my head, I was ready.
2: Did you think at all at that point, like, of what you were going to be like as a dad, what your style would be? your Because I didn't think about any of that. Same thing. I thought I was ready, but didn't <laughs> actually think about it at all.
0: <laughs> I thought I would be super strict. Mm. Now, like I didn't grow up with a dad, so my dad was never around. So I sort of didn't really have anything to sort of look at and say, this is how you be a dad. So I, I would I would look at my friends' relationships growing up and sort of see the the parental dynamic that way. But intimately, I didn't really understand the, the dynamic of being a dad. So everything is completely new. I'm completely learning on the job, but I always thought that I would be mega strict mm. and I'm completely the opposite. <laughs> Yeah. So, Car- Car- Carly, my wife is; she's the strict one, mm-hmm. and I'm like, yeah, he'd be all right.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, um, exactly the same. I thought I had the idea; <clears throat> I'd be this textbook dad. You know, do everything the right way, right time. Do literally take him to every every club going. There's a parent event on there. Done. Nah. I'm now just the fun one, but <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's more, so, so I'm, I'm not together with his mum, but we have, we have quite a good relationship. And uh he'll tell me he's, he's playing up, he's being really naughty. So you need to have a word with him. So I get him and I only have to turn to him and say, we need a chat. And his face just goes, oh no. <laughs> like, he's four years old and he knows. But I don't have to say anything else after that. Yes. I said it today, I picked him up today from uh, from preschool and he was being a typical four-year-old yesterday and I got him in his car seat and I literally turned around I said his name's Dexter and I was like Dexter we need a chat don't we and he just went His just whole face just dropped I didn't say another word about it didn't have to bring anything cut he knew
2: Beautiful. Right
1: so I thought actually that's the superpower I've got that <laughs>
2: Well that's the crazy thing, right? That's what I think about all the time, is it's it is a superpower, right? Like the power we have over them, and, and I mean that just literally, like it's just not only literally the physical power, but emotionally. Like they that it's so they're so dependent on us yeah. and our, our approval and all that stuff. And I find myself more than any again, I didn't think about any of this beforehand, but once it started happening, like the responsibility that comes with that, like you could you could literally destroy their lives in a day with, with a few words if you wanted yeah. to. And and that's if you wanted to. Then if you don't even realize you're doing it, you know, you could screw that up. So that that power yeah. always scares me. That, that I think of it the same way. It's a superpower, but it terrifies me. In so it's many scary, ways. isn't it?
1: You think that you, you you genuinely can shape that that person, that individual. You can shape how they're going to be right yep. now, and it's just <laughs> I try not to be too hard on him. If he if he does certain things, you know, I, he knows right from wrong. But I, I try not to to do anything. Or say anything to him that his whole body language changes and he doesn't he's not his normal self then because he's got he's such a little character so i don't want to change that yep but you are right <laughs> you could tomorrow i could wake up and that's it i could be like disciplinarian and he's doing push-ups until he's
2: sick
0: <laughs> you know, but school. but that but that is also why it's so important that dad is involved not just not just there i mean and you know you you only have to look at the statistics on children growing up with or without a father to know which is right for the for the children Mm. um and, and i think a lot of men assume that just by being there they're taking part and they're really they're really not um so, yeah, I think it's just important that guys know that they have to not, not just be taking, not just be there, they have to be taking part in that kid's life and development.
2: Well, you yeah, know what's like, tricky about that, too, is at least what I struggle with is, because I, I totally agree. Like, I say this to my wife and my brother, who's who's also down all the time. Like, it's, it's cliche, right? It's such a hard job. It's so much work. There's so much you have to think about. But I hear from a lot of people where they'll say, like, oh, you're overthinking it, right? Like, it, there's so many variables to it. There's so many different, the personality is different. What they listen to, what they hear—like you don't really have to stress about it that much. It's just you know your impact's not going to be that big of a deal anyway. And I don't know, like I personally don't agree with that, but I hear a lot of people say that, and I don't know, I don't know what the best answer to that is. But it is, it is tricky. Like it is because it's true. There are so many variables. They go to school for hours a day, so trying to figure out you know how to make the most impact in the most effective ways is just tough. Oh, it's, it, when when they're
1: at school. <laughs> I'll be blunt but some days Dexter comes home and for a better word he's a knobhead like <laughs> he'll come home and he's just been <laughs> he's just he's just naughty and every time I talk to him he's like well like his friend he's like oh well my friend did this and my friend did that and you think yeah but you're not with them now hmm. and it's like you said you know you, there's so much going on that we don't know about when they're at school and how they're forming what they're thinking what they're doing but what we can control, you know, figuratively anyway, what we can control is how they are when they are with you. Mm. So, like to Marco, to so your point, it's about, you know, being a dad, you can be there, but you have to actually be in the moment with it. You, there's no point just sitting back. I've seen it, you know, dad's sitting on the chair and the kids there. They're, they're not really taking part, mm. but they go, oh, that's it now. I need a break.
0: Mm. Yeah, it's, like the, it's like the iPad parents. Mm-hmm. You know, the, you know, I, don't get me wrong. Nardo does pick up an iPad, and we will let him have it. But it's the ones that you see, like it's literally like dust till dawn yeah. iPad in front of them. <laughs> it's yeah. uh, same broken. with parents.
1: Though. Some parents are like that, aren't
0: they? That's what I'm saying. It's I'm, yeah. not, I'm saying parents that. Oh, you mean parents on their phone? Yeah, too. Yeah. too? yeah. 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 I, used, my, to, my,
1: that's I that's used to joke way. and say that. You know, some kids will think their their parents are an apple because that's, <laughs> that's all obviously. they're going to see. It's just, it's just this all the time. That's it.
2: It's so true. Yeah,
0: I say so it to my, true. I say it to my wife all the time. I say yeah, he's talking to you, huh? Huh? <laughs> yeah, he's talking to you. And he, he says it now. He, like he'll say if he says it, he does it to me as well. If I hear him, he'll go, "Daddy, I'm talking to you."
2: <laughs> I, sorry, sorry, mate. <laughs> but that's what I found is that, like, about having kids is that exact thing, right? Like, you, we could tell ourselves, like, oh, I don't, I don't want to look at my phone that much. I don't want to be on social media that much. I'm, I'm not going to do it. It's so easy to lie to yourself when your kids, not, when there's not a kid involved. But when the kid says like, hey, you've been on your phone all day or you're telling your kid like, hey, put that down. You can't stare at that all day. And then you go back to staring at it. It's hard yeah. to hide from it then like that. For me, that forced like the hypocrisy of it, like became so clear. And that was like, oh, wow, I got to if I'm going to start teaching him things, I have to do it myself. Otherwise, what what am I doing? I can't do it. Of course.
0: course. Yeah, because you can't it can't be one rule for you and different yeah. rule for them. I mean, it has, it could. It
2: I guess like could, some people do it, but I don't think yeah. that's going to end well.
0: No, because then, then what does that teach them? Do you know what I mean? Is it, no, yeah, yeah, I think it has to be uniform. Um, so, so yeah, we were sort of saying that we, we got to sort of the point where life changed, but then yeah. what was that change like? What
2: what what happened beyond that from for you? I think it's just it was the rethinking. It, it was me going back and saying like, "There's I don't even know what they are, but I clearly have a bunch of assumptions about." how you're supposed to live, what you're supposed to do, how life is going to work out. And if one of them's off, like, I'm sure not all of them are off, but I I don't know which ones are and which ones aren't. So it was really like a big self-reflection, like step back and really think about and try into what I was saying before. Like, I need to be much more thoughtful and deliberate about this. I can't just assume I'm going along for the ride and everything's going to be good. So I think it started with a lot of self-reflection and a lot of questioning and a lot of uncomfortable self-reflection and questioning because my natural mindset was always to go to a place of, like, if I got to an uncomfortable thought about being a dad or, or a husband or whatever it is, it'll be fine. It'll work out. Like, I won't explore that too much. I'll just let it go. But life had showed me, like, no, no, no. Like, that, that bad thing might actually happen. So honestly, it was just a lot of uncomfortable conversations with myself of, of thinking about things and questioning things. And I think the big thing that came out of it was, was that like, I need to be, I need to think about what I want to be as a dad. Like what, what is my role? What is my, what is my parenting style? What what are the things I want to make sure I teach my son and just trying to be much more um, concrete and explicit about that, I think.
0: Uh, where, in terms of time periods, Terry, where, when are we from sort of now to when that happened? When 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 is
2: when was this? So this was uh six years ago. So six years ago from now. So yeah, okay. about, about six years ago. So it's been it's been a journey. And it, it like one of the things I always I always cringe at when when I read books or listen to podcasts is when when people tell a story like this because everybody's got a story, right? Everybody's been through stuff. This isn't novel in any way. Um, is the impression there comes off where it's like, yeah, and then I just started thinking about it and I changed my mindset and then I figured it out and I was all good. It's been like a torturous six years, and I mean that in the best possible way. Like It's been hard. It's been messy. I screw it up all the time. I just yelled at my son right now because he was knocking on the door when I'm doing the podcast and now I'm thinking (laughs) in my head like that wasn't right. So it it wasn't a switch by any means. So it's been a six-year process of like constantly trying to assess and think about and question what I'm doing as a dad and, and all that stuff um so long 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 process in which there's probably never a finish to it but but I do I'd like to believe it's getting better and it's improved and my son's better off because of it do, do
0: you think you were able to reflect like you did when that happened because of your interest to in the study in philosophy or
2: or did that have any bearing at all for sure. I, I think, the, so a drogo, which we'll talk about, that's kind of the, the philosophy yeah. that we get into. That that means to question in Latin. To me, the question is is the biggest thing. Like it, it has to be about that. And philosophy is very much about that. It's all the questions you ask about life and the meaning of that. So I think that mindset of saying, I don't know what I don't know anymore, like I need to ask the questions and start figuring it out it put me in the right mental state. And again, just to connect it all, like this was coming out of, of business school, which like I said, was was two years of just listening to all different perspectives and views. So I think it all kind of fit timing wise where it got my mind in the place of questioning more and, and being more philosophical.
0: Yeah, because you can see, and I don't know whether you've had friends that have been in positions like, not necessarily going through the same trouble as you, but obviously pain and suffering is relative, right? So we all have our mm-hmm. own, we all battle with our own issues um but you can see so you see how sometimes where situations like what, what, what happened with you can put p- so much pressure onto men that they decide that well, they can't cope with that pressure and they go and we talk about this a lot on our on our podcast mm-hmm. so there's one, one of the one of the charities that we raise money for is is a uh, calm which is campaign against living miserably and they are mm-hmm. uh, they are a charity that basically is, is in the prevention of suicide because, you know, suicide in the... In fact, I know the stats in the... In the UK, it's 145 people a week. In America, it's 946 people a week kill themselves. Um 75% of those are men. Um And the, well, the, one, the one stat that nobody often really talks about is that within that, there's 33% of them are new dads. Wow. Um, so it's like, what's happening to these men that makes them feel like they their way out is is that wow. um but I, you know I, I, you know credit to you that you didn't buckle under that, because you can see, I've seen friends, you know, I lost a friend to suicide at 21, and you you can see people where something happens to them, they are, like you said, you're sailing along, life is fantastic, everything's great, and then all of a sudden, something happens, and it's never normally one thing, is it? It's normally a catalog of things, one thing triggers another thing, and then before you know it, they've either spiraled into alcohol, drugs, Mm. um, depression, And then sometimes they go that one step further and it's, it's, it's suicide.
2: So, and you know, you're making me think, you know, cause it's it's one of the things I think about a lot is like how our minds work. And and we always want simple. We always want stories that kind of make us feel good and comfortable. So part of this whole questioning and reflecting is is in this too, because as you're saying it, and I'm thinking about the story even more and the point that it wasn't clean. So that, that was six years ago when it happened, I could think two years ago, of being at a point where my wife started to get worse. And to your point, like my son was still young and it was tough. And yeah, like on, on, on whatever night of the week it was, it was like, I'll just, I'll drink like that. That'll make me feel better for that time period. Or, you know, maybe I'll do whatever. And, and, and it was a coping mechanism. And I think there hit a point for me where it was like, it became almost mathematical, not mathematical, but like kind of like a mathematical logic of, like I just started playing out the thread of where does this go? Like what what happens here? Like what are my choices? What are the different scenarios? And it you know it hurt, it sucked, life was bad, but I was like okay, but but then what? Like what where where do you go from there? And it became clear to me like uh, you can either try and figure it out and make the best of it and just say I want to maximize as much joy and happiness and meaning in life as I can, or I could just kind of feel bad and feel like life sucks. And, and I it was a genuine question to myself. Like I was like, I, I don't know which one of those is the right path. And I, and I kind of forced myself to try and think about it. And for me, that's what helped a lot. It was like, I, clarity was big, like just being honest and having clarity yeah. on where am I in life right now? What's the stuff that sucks? What am I struggling with? What are my options? And then trying to make a decision based off that, I think for a lot of people, and I, you know, obviously I don't know those numbers are tough. I think to your point, too often people don't want to ask those questions. They don't want to face it and put it all out on the table and see what they're actually dealing with. And it's only once you do that that you can make that best decision. You know, well, self reflection is so
0: important. Like I, I, I can't stress that enough. That looking at yourself, like you say, almost mathematically plotting out your courses, um, but without self reflection, people just think that the world's ending and and it's you need to have a you know i i i, I wrote a blog um a while back called nobody's perfect and i, I quoted you ad i don't know if you read it or but i quoted you at the end of it where because on one of our podcasts you said just you know remember like it's never as bad as you think it is mm. And I think that's so important because it, it isn't. And I think if you do that self-reflection and you look at, you know, look at look at everything, to weigh everything or look at every, but then try and see the woods, the trees, you know, try and see that bit of clarity.
2: Um, so true. And the other part's true too, right? Life's probably never as good as you think it is either, right? Yeah. In those moments where it feels great, there's stuff going on. There's something that yeah. can happen that next minute, There's, you know? So that, back to the Stoic, you mentioned them before. I think there's something... To being to finding that balance to have it's I think it's just perspective it's having like the full view not just taking a, a small piece of it
0: I love to st- I'm so I'm reading a book on stoicism the stoic philosophy at the moment and what you I, 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 you like it? I love it I absolutely love it and I think it's just because it was um was it Marcus Aurelius was it Marcus yeah. Aurelius the yeah Marcus, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I, yeah and just that whole that whole mindset of it's all you know, you just forget the noise, like forget everything else. You can, I mean, I, I hate cliches, right? And this is one cliché I really hate saying, but it's so true. You know, you can control the controllables, and that, and you sort of forget about everything else. And, and yeah, but yeah, Stoic philosophy is it's such it's such an interesting. Uh, I have
2: to ask you because so I love Stoic philosophy too. I actually get I don't know if you guys get it. Um, so one of the guys that writes about it a lot, it might be the guy who wrote your book, uh, Ryan Holiday. You familiar with him?
0: Let's have a look. No. So so he has
2: um he writes a lot about stoicism and he has a um a daily email it's called Daily Dad and he sends an email every day and it's just like a quick tidbit or advice or story about dads so really really good i find it super valuable but the thing i struggle with is so Marcus Aurelius who you mentioned who's probably the most famous stoic and people point to yeah. him he was a great great leader and all that his son was like a monster literally like, yeah, <laughs> a horrible leader, tortured people. And I always struggle with that from like a parenting perspective of like, is there a connection there? Like is that is that correlated that somehow like and then I also question like how good could the philosophy be? And and I love it too. So I'm not trying to lead the witness here, but like how good could the philosophy be if he couldn't figure out how to raise his son? So I, I'm just curious. I don't know if you guys thought yeah. about that at all. I don't know. Yes. I can't reconcile that. So the book I'm reading by uh, Kyle was... Sorry, AD. Oh,
0: kyle faber is the okay. book in my book and it's, it's called understanding stoic philosophy mm. and he sort of paints you the history of why it was you know why who sort it of started it. yeah yeah and he, I, mean, he, I think he says in there that like if you think spock from star trek yep. would be the perfect stoic yep. like that that is he is the perfect stoic sorry ad what was you going to say mate
1: I'm just, I'm just I'm trying to figure out about Spock. <laughs> <laughs> it's taken a turn, hasn't it? Um, I was just, uh, no, I was just I thinking. I can't do
0: that. What? Else? Okay, I can't, I can't do
2: anything.
1: I might have an attempt. Um, yeah, it was more the the fact that, like the the philosophy thing, the the fact that his son was so different. It's, it's that typical. For me, it's that typical thing that we do. We we get very blinkered to the outside, the outside world. So, you know, we put our blinkers on and all we see is in front of us. So when, Marco, in your blog, you know, you're talking about that there's a lot going on. There's a lot going on and people have got it worse and that that's the thing to remember. But it's taking that reflection, that self-reflection, to actually take off those blinkers and look around. And then, then you start to realise that actually... Okay, I haven't got it that bad. Like, let's figure it out. And you know, to your thing, yeah, you, math- you mathematically you plot it out, and you go, right, okay. So if I change this, then this should help this, and this should change that. But how many people get to that? How many people can switch that in their head and go, hang on a minute, I need to think about this because they have already done thinking, or they've they've had no, they've had nobody say, I, do you need help? Are you okay? Like mm.
2: that's,
1: that's why we really started this it was more to get that that story across that whatever you're going through somebody else has likely been through it so listen to their story how how did it work out for them a couple of tips yeah. of advice a couple of changes that they made you take it into your own life you never know dear you you you're never you're not going to be worse off of how you feel now okay. if you are you know if you are at that bottom um one of the things i always stayed with me was a uh, it was when, when I was in the military, one of the my old bosses used to say to me, well, not used to, he said it once, but it stuck with me. It was always that. Yeah, you've got to remember, at the moment, you, you are six feet above, not below. So live your life. Mm. Was, it was when I was thinking about coming out of the military and all this, and I was like, what do I do? And he was like, but but you're alive. So you can do whatever you want. You decide. You choose. And that, that was that's really really good way so if you've got that time to sit there and go this is all done this is all over well hang on in that moment no it's not
2: (laughs) and it's so true it's so it's so weird too because like that advice is such good advice and it seems so obvious but for some reason (laughs) when you're in that moment it just doesn't make sense like it doesn't you can't but it's, it's somehow it gets unlocked but it's yeah it's just weird how our minds get us to that place where we are just so convinced there's there's no solution here. Or this The world is ending or whatever it is. And and we become so certain of that. And, and we just stop seeking out better ways to go. And it's just those little things that sometimes help us. So, yeah, I think what you guys are doing is so great because it's it's a model. It's, it's an opportunity for people to see. And I think that's what our minds need. Back to that mathematical like there's some degree of a probability like, well, if I do that, is it really going to work? And being able to hear other people, like, oh, it actually did work for them. So yeah, maybe it actually could. It just gives you that much more of a chance.
0: So. But on that though, there's, so I think the other, so to back onto that, is that a lot, a lot of people have this fear of failure. And, you, you know, I, you know, the, the guy that we talked to the other week, um, AD Ben, he always talks about, you have to fail. Everybody fails in life. Don't be afraid of failing because the failures will add up to the sum of everything that you have. And, um but it's, so, like, I think some people will go, right, we'll have to do this and this. Oh, but if it doesn't work, you know, oh, so I won't, I won't do it. You know what I started, I started my business. uh What are we now? 16 months ago. Mm-hmm. So we've just, we've just come out of our first year and I, but I've talked about doing it for three, four years and you everyone you speak to are like, but you know, most businesses fail in the first year, it's not all your grass isn't always greener, you know, you've got a good job, stay in that career. And it's just like you have like you, you have to you have to try. If you yeah. don't try, what are you?
1: Yeah. yeah. There's no right there's no especially about being dads, there's there's no There's no manual. There's no right way to do it. You do it how you see fit. And that's the problem. I think we get bogged down. Same with business. Like you start your own business. You listen to too much outside influence and you don't think about what you want to do and Mm -hmm. how you want. You might have an idea that you go, actually, this could revolutionize everything. But somebody's going, nah, we won't do that.
2: Never
1: never work. Yeah, so you go, yeah, okay, fair one. Yeah, okay.
0: Imagine somebody telling Jeff Bezos that selling books online was never going to work. And they did. A lot of people did. Yeah, yeah.
1: and that's yeah. The, you have to take that leap. Of, it's the leap of faith, isn't it? You have to go. well, I'm going for it. <clears throat> same with parenting. Same with you know every, everything you do. I think everyday life, you you've got to just do it how you want to do it. Well, Don't, you know, it's
2: funny, you just said leap of faith, and I've been thinking about this a lot lately. Because you guys get the idea, I, I tend to think about thinking a lot, <laughs> and that phrase leap of faith. Um, I, I've been wondering, like, is that is that the right phrase? Is that the right approach? And and You know, obviously math is it drives a lot and how I think and what I do. But I think it's I I think it's more of a leap of math is is how I put it. And and the reason I say that isn't just because it's like a cute play on words, but because the leap of faith implies like I have no idea. I'm just going to take a chance and go with it. I think we do have the ability to take the business example, right? Somebody tells you that's never going to work. Like we do have the ability to say, okay, let me assess this person. Do they actually understand business? Are they a credible source? Do they have what they said? Does it make sense? Is there actually true that there's this risk? And we can assess that. And we run the math as best we can, right? We're not perfect, but we run it as best we can. And if we think about what we value and what we want to do and what we're afraid of and what the risks are, we put all that in there and we're as thoughtful as we can be, it's going to come out to some answer that says, yep, either do it or don't. And at that point, you take the leap of math and you say, well, I did my work. So I'm going to give it a shot. And then that helps, I think, minimize that fear and that regret because we're being thoughtful. Now, it takes a lot of work, though, right? It's hard to do that and do all that thinking. But I think, you know, it's that to me, that's the approach. That's the way you have to approach it is look at things. That's what I took away going back to it from that experience and all the stuff I struggled with in life. That was kind of my solution to it was take that approach to it. And that kind of should set you on the right path, hopefully.
0: Yeah. Uh, just talk to us about a drogo uh,
2: what is it like, How? how how yeah talk to us about yeah, so it's, it's really just out of the last six years or so that i've been kind of on this journey and reflecting and all that it's kind of just the name i came up with for it but it's a lot of the things we're talking about it so it in simple terms it's trying to take like a very mathematically logical approach to understanding ourselves and making better decisions and ultimately just thinking better so it, it's really rooted in the idea that um There's a logic to everything that we do and everything that happens, right? So you'll hear people say, like, I don't know why I did that. I don't know. I screwed up or I was crazy. I don't personally believe that. I think at every moment, everything I'm about to say to you right now, every action we take, everything we do, every belief we hold is based on a calculation that our mind runs, right? It runs some cost-benefit analysis to determine, is this better for me or is this worse for me? And assuming we don't have a mental illness, you always act in accordance with the thing that you think is better for you. The problem is it's the type of math that we run, right? You can run math like like a five-year-old, right? Basic mathematics, or you could run it like a a university student who understands like deep calculus. And the idea of a Drogo is you want your math to be as sophisticated and advanced as possible so that when you're making that business decision, you're not just doing it on a whim and saying like, well, my mom told me that I'm never going to succeed, so I'm never going to do it, right? That's basic math. There's a logic there. It makes sense. You're listening to your mom. You trust her and all that but that's a really bad way to live your life. You wanna be as thoughtful and comprehensive as possible and take in all the inputs and kind of run it that way. And then the, the other two high level things I'll say about it is um, the challenge in it, the big challenge in it is, I think that our, our kind of subconscious mind is programmed to protect us. So it's, oh, it's running that calculation, that cost benefit, but it's doing it in a super short sighted way. It's saying like in this moment right now, how do I make sure that I feel as good as possible? And it's always running that way. So the job has to be to step above that and kind of let your conscious mind kick in and say like, hey, I know subconscious you're trying to protect me, but like, take it easy. Like, I got this. I want to think bigger picture, longer term. And the, the biggest piece of it that I would say is um, to never, ever achieve certainty, which seems maybe counterintuitive, right? Because certainty, conviction, that seems like an important trait. But my personal view is, you have to make decisions. You have to make those leaps, like we talked about. But you should never ever let your mind get to a place of certainty where you say this is absolutely the right decision or this is absolutely what I believe, because once you do that, you stop questioning, you stop checking your work and checking your math, and then yeah. then who knows where you end up, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. It's it's almost like going back to what we talked about at the start, where you're tying, you tie you tie. You made that decision. You're going to tie yourself to that mast. That's right. And- That's, you know, you're going to get down with the shit
2: whether or not you could have got off or not. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. And I think particularly like with parenting, and that's where a lot of it came from, it became, so I thought like, I'm sure you guys did, like, how can I teach my son the things he needs to know to have the best life? However, we define the best life, whatever that is for him. And you start thinking about like, all right, what are the key things I'd want to teach him? You know, certain rules that you want to put in place. But as we've been saying in this conversation, you start to realize like there are no rules. Everything's so random and variable and, you know, who knows what the answers are. So it has to be more principle based. I just have to teach him how to think because I don't know what situation he's going to run into. I don't know what problems he's going to have. I just want him to be able to assess it as effectively as he can and make the best decision.
0: Yeah, no, Yeah. you're so right. You know, we always want, you know, you always want. A better life for your child. Again, another really horrible cliche. But you always want that. You want to make your life better. Sorry, your kid's life better than your own. Um, but how do you give them the same experiences? If you've had a really shit life and you've come out of it and it's great, how is your kid going to experience that? They're never going to know that side of yeah. it, are they? Yeah. So. But even take
2: that, even take that, because that's interesting. Because I think it highlights a little bit of the Drogo kind of thinking. Like I think that I think that all the time. I want my kid to have a better life. The way, like, so take you can dissect that and say, like, well, well, how do you define better? Firstly, right? Yeah. And then even that that assumption in that is that you have a perspective in which you could say what would make your kid happy and what a good life would be for him. And that's something where, like, I would. I question that and I'm like, how could I ever say for sure that I know what would give him a better life? Like we have to make decisions. We have to take actions. But that's just like a small example where you look at that and it's such an innocent, well-intentioned statement. and It's probably right to an extent. But even that I would question and be like, well, what makes me think like what makes you think I know what a better life is for him? What makes you think I should decide that for him? Yeah. I should, but I at least have to ask that question, you know, before I act upon it.
0: Yeah. I think for, I think for me, it's just opportunity. Mm. You know, I, so if I look at, so I grew up on, on an, on an estate that's well renowned <clears throat> as being, or used to be, I don't know what it's like anymore. I've not lived in the town for a long time, but it used to be well renowned for being one of the worst estates in Europe, council estates in Europe. You know, there was stabbings, there was, murder, there was, it, was it wasn't great. If I look at, if I look at m- most of the people I grew up with, prison, dead some of them you know that should have been my life mm. but I you mean know, my mum took me out of that showed me that I've got to do this I've got to push me into a different opportunity I've sort of had to fight and claw to get to where I am and you sort of think whilst you're not giving them much more opportunity they don't have to do all that and I think it's just having that opportunity to to try and succeed and flourish in life without that adversity. I think for me, is that would be a success. I think so. That's where I would say a better yeah. life would add up to for me. For a-
2: it makes sense. It makes perfect sense, and and I I probably agree with you. But like, just for the sake of it, like, how how do you ensure that, like, because it makes perfect sense, right? You, you, I'm sure you've taken actions to say, I don't want my my child to have to go through that. I don't want to deal with those things. I want. But what if, like, what if for them, what they value in life, that's actually not something they worry about? Like, they want to do that, right? It's, it's kind of a weird scenario. But like, how do, you, how do you think about that and make sure that you're not too much looking at it through your lens and, like, projecting on them what you think they might want or what might hurt them or what they might value?
0: I guess it's hard because I, 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 like I sort of touched on before, I, he won't be able to look at it through my lens mm. because my lens is so different to his because I have experienced all that. He will grow up, you know, we now live in a quite a nice area of, of of England. You know, it's, it's quite rural. He won't never have them sort of struggles, you know, touch wood. So he won't have the lens. He won't have, so his struggles will be completely different to the struggles mm. that I had I had growing up. He'll probably grow up thinking he's got the worst life ever. And I was like, mate,
1: <laughs> <laughs> come on. It's the truth. It's, uh, it's probably more how he's going to, how, we, how we'll process any situation that might be worse for him. Yeah. It's how, with the knowledge and stuff. And I think that's, for me, for, being a dad now, and with my boy growing up, it's more, what what knowledge or what actions can I show him I make? That, that he retains and he remembers. So mm. later down the years, if he's in a situation, you'll go, "Hang on, what would, what did my dad do then, or what what happened here?" And it's it's about in, it's about instilling some of you
2: yeah.
1: in your son or in your your daughter or something. It's, you know, you're you want them to grow up to make the right choice. We all do,
2: yeah.
1: but sometimes we make the bad choices, and they make they can even make you worse or better. I think Marco, like you said, you you live by it. You you go. Okay, what did I learn from that? Because you've got to fail, you've got to make stuff, and you've got to go. Yeah. Okay, it's not all. It's not all fairy tale like that. That's not to yours. You know, your your life's going amazing, and then all of a sudden, the carpet's ripped out from under your feet. Mm. Where's that written down in the book? That's not in like. <laughs> you know what I mean, you don't need that. That's not in Disney. Well, it is now.
2: <laughs> but then it's
1: not in Disney, um, and it's going okay well, if that happens, are you going to make the right choices? Yeah. I'm making the right choices, or or at least the logic behind, okay, I, I know I probably shouldn't go over there and fill that guy in for looking at me <laughs> or my missus, but i to weigh this up. He's with seven people. I'm with two. Okay. <laughs> it's having that choice to go for it still. Yeah.
2: What did How you think? do you guys think about that in terms of like, like how much of that do you share with your with your kids? So when you're thinking about those decisions and you're trying to make it right, I think often what, what parents do, and I do it all the time, is we do all this thinking behind the scenes. We're conflicted. Is this the right answer? Is that the right answer? But then when we present it to them, it's this is what you do. And it's very simple. It's very clean. What I try and do more of now, and I, and I hope it's for the best, is to try and kind of show my thinking more and show my work so that they can see. And If I made a mistake, let them know what I was thinking and how I got to that mistake and give them like the full suite of it. You, what do you guys think about that? That's, that's nice, the competition nice, in you, there, isn't it? Yeah,
0: probably. You working yeah. out. I remember There's that. That's exactly cool. Show you working out. Don't just give <laughs> the answer. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> um, how, how old is Terry? How old is your? So he's he's a little older. So I, I was. Mine's three. Aidy's um, is his four. So I think I think you're probably at the stage now where you can start having s- some conversations with. Dex, and he starts to understand. Oh,
1: um, I'm mate, just more than I, I, I know. In stage, <laughs> <laughs> you or uh, yeah, me, yeah, definitely uh, so me. Dex, Dex, Dex is very much, you know, he, he does surprise me how much he retains and how much he he remembers. Um, annoyingly, how much mm. he remembers. Oh, you said if I did this, so I'd get a treat, and you're like, hey, did I? And he'll explain it, and you're like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I did. He even said to me one night, yeah, you're wearing your football top. And then I was like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, you've, you've got me. I can't argue with that. Like, okay, fair one. Um, yeah. But it is it is nice. I do try and explain certain things to him. But ultimately, I, I try to just let him be mm. be a kid. Because you can be, you know, I can follow him around all day telling them off. But that, that's, not, that's no fun. There's no relationship. And because I don't have him full time, I don't want all the time that he's with me is just to be full on rules and regulations like this is it. This is it. We have a we have a fun thing. So every time he stays with me on a school night and um, the morning when I take him to school, we get in the car and I say to him, right, what do we have to do? He says, "Ah, oh, you need your coffee. I was like, yes. And what's that called? And he goes, SOPs. Standard operating procedure. So he's saying <laughs> SOPs now every, <laughs> every time. And I love that, because <laughs> like, that's our little thing. Yeah. They write, Dex, what time is it? Oh, you need your coffee. Yeah, SOPs. Let's go.
2: <laughs> and these are the Tell- cool little quirks. So that's uh, the best part. That's the best part. Terry,
0: what, what, was it, what was the thinking behind the 365-day reflection video that you did?
2: So so short answer is uh, my, my brother sent me a video of, of an artist that uh that got that advice he, he didn't know what to draw and he wanted to be an artist he had no motivation and somebody told him just pick one thing and he picked a bird I think and they said draw that bird every day for, for 365 days for a year every day draw that same bird and he talked about as he started doing it at first he just drew a bird and then eventually he started drawing it you know in a comic book and then he added characters and it built and the whole idea was like there was no end game it was just wherever it goes and to me that seemed so appealing of like Back to the, like no control, just let it happen, let it play out. And I knew um, I loved psychology and philosophy. So I said, right, I'm going to make a video every day for a year and see where it goes. So same concept. And and honestly, to what we were talking about before with the reflection, um, that's when my life changed the most. So it's about a year and a couple months ago now. Making a video, putting it on where like I'm pretty much I was having a conversation with myself every day for a year and talking about what I think about and decisions I'd made and why I made them but having that like record to look at and, and understand my thinking and see it in a way I hadn't before it unlocked so many things about myself that I didn't realize. Um, and the biggest transformation actually came from that. So I, I'm sure, you know, a lot of people do it through journaling or different ways. So that was just my form of it. Um, but I actually enjoy, it. I still do it. I keep doing it now. I don't always post them now, but it's just become a habit that I just always do. Nice.
0: Yeah. Well, what, what, what would be the biggest takeaway that you took from the
2: result of that? um probably the biggest thing I took away from it was um the import like h- how much value I previously put on external validation um and like every I'm so I'm a people pleaser does that does that you guys know that phrase? yeah, in the, Translates, yeah. Right? I in the UK so so much of my life like I always wanted to people please make people happy I was worried about what other people thought um Coming out of making those videos, it became so much clearer to me how big of an impact that had on my life, and that so much of what I was doing wasn't actually my own thoughts or what I wanted to do. It was rooted in something, and it was always convoluted. like it's never obvious, but when you really follow the thread, you're like, oh, I'm actually only doing that to make this person happier because I'm worried about what that person's gonna say. Yeah, um
0: that became clear to me from it, I'd say. I've I've written about that actually, and that because I, so I went through through these lockdowns. I've personally been on a little bit of a journey and mm. you know, suffered a little bit with depression and and stuff like that. And you know it it, it changed my outlook. And through starting this and do, starting to write and stuff, it changed my outlook. And and I was very much a person that would just look. You know, I'd wear a nice watch because I thought, oh, that, that'll make me look better, or this person will like me because I've got a better watch, or I get this car because these kind of people have this car. Do you know what I mean? Whereas my outlook has just completely flipped. And it's so sort of, instead of looking outwards of what everybody else is um, thinking, or I've just gone, what do I want to do? What, did, what makes me happy? So, yeah, I might wear a, a watch, but I'm wearing it for me now. So, I'm doing everything now for the right reason as opposed to before where I was, like you say, a, a people pleasing and trying to not, you're not thinking about yourself, you're just thinking about what everybody else looks good. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know if you've seen that. There's a, uh, you, you may have come across this. Have you seen that thing where, you, um, uh, what is it, draw? So, if, if she, someone says, if you draw a cue, on your head. Have you seen that? No. Um, so the, there was some psychology, some psychology, definitely, I've not made this up. There's some psychology behind <laughs> this. So it's like, AD, hey, actually do this. Here we go. I've
1: not made it up. You watch.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Draw a capital Q on your head. Right. Now I, 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 did that, did you write that so I would see the Q or did you see the Q?
1: I didn't. So, you would
0: see it yeah so so the science behind that is that you so you you're projecting what i want to see so you're so what you're doing there is you're you're very much of somebody that looks to people please and you you're showing the opposite way around and so I, i when i did it after doing this I read it after I was going through this reflection and I did it the opposite way around. So I did it for me. And it's so interesting to to see that. I've done that with a few people and it's, yeah, it's interesting.
2: That is interesting. It makes sense too. And 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 it speaks to the fact of like how... It, deep it is in our subconscious we don't you don't think about that you're, not, you're just yeah. doing it you're just drawing it but behind the scenes your mind's thinking like yeah. i don't know i gotta make sure they see it yeah like yeah.
0: so i asked you to draw a cue but you you've you drawn it for me not for you yeah i, I just yeah. care
2: about
1: everyone That's right. just good you about know, you're selfish <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, no, but I, I think i think the science the, the the science behind that is it is it actually shows that you're selfish because you're not care. you're you're, you're showing Outward. Honestly, that's how that's how it reads. I, I can't yeah, we're it not
1: care. going to get into this. I drew the cue for you. Not <laughs> me for you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm going to find you the book on that, and I'm going to send it to you. But it's definitely right. It's definitely right what I said. Interesting.
2: I buy it, I buy it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, uh, Look, um, wrapping up. Actually, Terry, I yeah. really appreciate you coming up because it was pretty late here in the in the UK, at 11, eleven o'clock. Staying cool. up. Um, <laughs> you know. But yeah, no, look, we really appreciate you coming on. Thank you for sharing, sharing with us. I've really enjoyed the the conversation. Um, Is there anything we can read on your philosophy?
2: Yeah, so uh, I'm actually doing some writing on it now. So right now it's mostly the the videos. So so I have the YouTube channel um, and then uh, I have an Instagram account, a Drogo underscore philosophy. Um, But I I think I'm going to start writing more. Um, so, so not yet. So, so stay tuned. But, uh, but yeah, ho- hopefully soon. Right now, it's really just the videos at this point. Yeah,
0: and no, i will be interesting. Though. Like I said, I am doing some reading on on Stoic. Yeah, similar. Sure.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I've read a ton yeah. on them. So yeah. yeah. And I'm,
0: I'm also I'm reading a book called the the, the the power of self positive self-talk mm. which is also releasing to i think some of the things you said where you know the out in and just do it but yeah it's yeah. really it's really uh interesting uh, but look really appreciate you coming on giving us, yeah. giving us Thank so you. this evening Thank Likewise,
2: yeah really appreciate it this is awesome really enjoyed it
1: good to so good speaking to Thanks you Terry.
2: Very much, Terry. take care. care have a good day bye bye